Warning, this podcast contains foul language, sexual situations, and discussions of drugs and drinking. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to the Fuck Shakespeare podcast. Just want to make sure that you're in the right place. Did you come here for porn? (coughs) Sorry, thank you for playing. You need to leave. If you're a student and you're being forced to fucking read fucking Shakespeare and you don't understand why and you need to get a good grade and it's like speaking some language that you don't speak and you don't understand, you are in the right place. Teachers, we are okay with you being here too, but we might insult you a little bit. Sorry. Okay, everybody. Enjoy. I'm Erin. And I'm Diana. And in today's episode, we are going to back up to the beginning of the play, Romeo and Juliet, that we've been tackling, and tackle the... Prologue. Prologue. What the fuck is a prologue? Well, it's a little introduction to what's about to happen. Yeah, and but why would we need that? Well, I think there are probably a couple of reasons. Not unlike you guys. Like, people who came to hear Shakespeare's plays may not have understood all of what was going on in the play, especially since he was using words that were in fashion or words that he was creating. So they may not have fully been able to follow. So he tells them, look, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, total spoiler, all of it, up front. Tells them the whole story. But you have another reason why you think um, he does a prologue, and that is for the groundlings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, like they're walking in, and you got to kind of calm them down, I think, in the beginning, right? There's a big hubbub of people, blah, blah, blahing, eating their lunch, yippity, yippity. And before the good stuff in the play starts, maybe they need a heads up, you know, like, hey, people. But also, in this particular prologue, he actually names how long the play is going to take. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see that when we get to, like, you know, the last couplet. But he says, you're only going to be here for two hours, guys. It's okay. You can handle it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that long. Don't throw your tomatoes. Don't throw. Please, please. There, you know, this is a tool that a lot of people used in the Renaissance to help people understand because maybe it was like, ooh, an old story that, you know, they should know, but maybe some people didn't. Um, For instance, Henry V is a history play, and hopefully the English people should have known their own history, but who knows, definitely not, you know, like the peasants who are selling stuff at the market and, you know, mending shoes. They They weren't going to school. Yeah. They weren't taught their history. They didn't know. So there's a chorus there that tells the story. Um, There's a chorus in Troilus and Cressida Mm -hmm. because that's the story of the Trojan War, and maybe that was something that people weren't studying. So those are helpful. Gives them something to aim for, too. This is coming up after that thing that just happened. Right. right. Oh, now we get to see the fun part. Yeah. Or the violent part. Yes, right. The bloody scene should be coming up soon. Right. You know, there's a promise of action to come. Um, Richard III acts as his own prologue. So he's the only one on stage in the beginning where he's like, hey, it's me and I'm cool and I'm evil and you're going to love it. Remember we talked about what a soliloquy was and it's the person on stage talking to themselves, but also talking to the audience and the fact that Richard, (laughs) right, he wins you over immediately because he's talking right at you. Right yeah. to you. And he, he explains why we are where we are. 
Yeah. Right? How we got to be where we are. See, in case you didn't see those tedious Henry VI plays. <laughs> <laughs> not not actually tedious when they're no. well done, but whatever. But yes. they're cool. Yeah. Um, so you could do a whole paper on prologues, right? And yes. Like, hey, compare this prologue to that prologue, and why do we need prologues? Yes. So um, some other things that we should look out for in this prologue, right? The form of it is really cool mm-hmm. because it's the form. There are 14 lines in this prologue, <laughs> and the form of it is a sonnet. Now, what the fuck is a sonnet, and who cares? Um, a sonnet is a love poem. And Shakespeare wrote 154 of those. That's a lesson we'll do another day. But the fact that the very first speech of this play is a love poem form form yeah. would tell us, hey, heads up, this is something that you recognize, and it's probably going to be a play about love. Even though the opening sonnet, the prologue, is not about love. Nope, but it's the form that kind of gives it away. Right. And it has to do with rhyming. So it's like the first line rhymes with the third line and the second line rhymes with the fourth line and blah, blah, yada, yada. And certainly the upper crusties who were sitting on their pillows towards the back and also on the sides of the stage, right, they they would recognize a sonnet very easily. For sure. And in fact, sonnets were the only thing that Shakespeare did publish in his lifetime. Right. So that's kind of cool. So those were out there and people recognized the form. Lots of people wrote sonnets. Tons of people. Let's talk about rhyming. What is up with rhyming? Well, I think that rhyming is to draw attention to a thing, right? It If you're not paying attention and you hear a rhyme, all of a sudden your attention is drawn to what's being said because you hear that. It's also delicious to say. Yeah, they're fun, right? Yeah. They're really entertaining as a speaker and also as a listener. Yeah. Yeah, it does make your ears perk up. And it actually... You know, like, some people are like, oh, rhyming, so stupid, annoying. But it's not for stupid people. It actually points to the fact that the speaker is very smart. Right. Because in order to speak a rhyme, you have to set it up. Right. right? So you have to know that you're going to, you know, you're going to say the word thing, and then two lines from now you're going to need something that rhymes with thing, right? Right. So you got to be thinking ahead. Right. So, like, think about how hard it is if you've ever tried to do rhyming spoken word or if you've ever tried to do rhyming rap, especially in the moment, if you're in, like, a battle or something, how difficult that is. To, like, make it up on the spur of the moment. Right. Yeah. So you try it. (laughs) Try this at home. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do. Okay. So the very first line. Oh, am I reading? Yeah. Oh. Two households, both alike in dignity. Good. So right away, the word two sets up. This is going to be a story about duos, which is, you know, sort of you assume relationships of some kind, right? <laughs> and and both alike in dignity. These are families that are of similar Equal. status. Yeah. Right? And households says this is not going to be a play about armies. Right. This is going to be a play about families. Right. All right. So right away in the first line. In fair Verona, where we lay our scene. So in case you didn't know where it was taking place, this is not taking place here in England. It's taking place in Italy. Where they're a little more barbaric. Yeah, and also looser with their language and their, you know, they... Morals. Yes. And they had lots of disease. (laughs) 
Yeah, because the British had no disease. No, not at all. Not no. at all. But you know, yeah. <laughs> plague. They, they blamed they blamed disease, lots of disease, on the people from southern climes because mm. they thought you know disease incubates in warmer climates. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we could go on and on and on about oh, that yes, one, yes, but no, yes. no. But you could write a paper on that. Um, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny. Ancient grudge. So. That's all we get about where this fight originated between the Capulets and the Montagues. It's ancient. It happened a long time ago. So it's one of those things that nobody even remembers the beginning. Everyone, yeah, right. Everyone who was there when it started is dead. But they still carry it on. Right. So stupid. But so notice the rhyme word, okay? So the rhyme is mutiny for dignity. Right. So it's not a true rhyme, but it's a E. Itty, right? Mutiny, dignity. dignity. Right. And it's so interesting, those two words kind of juxtaposed against each other. Mm-hmm. This is something that is that you want to look for in all the plays, in all the places, because it's something called antithesis. And Shakespeare uses it a lot. So he holds up one word, and then he gives you something that's almost its opposite, so that the contrast illuminates an idea. Super cool. Where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. Great. So we have one word repeated. Nice. Yeah. But it means different things. Yeah. Remember we talked about how he uses words and they have different meanings? Well, in this line, civil blood, right, is different than civil hands, right? So civil blood makes civil hands unclean. Civil hands unclean is mannered hands. People of the upper crust, people who are supposed to be civil to one another, right? Have good manners. Yeah. Have good manners. Yeah. Um, and, and then blood. He's pointing out, ooh, we're going to have some blood. Right. We're going to have some bloody scenes. So civil blood, though, is not war blood. Right. Right. It's town blood. Yeah. Common blood. Common yeah. blood. Right. Yeah. Uh, from forth the fatal loins of these two foes. Wow. So what do we got there? We've got this, like we've talked about before, but the repetition of sounds. Fuh, and the sound fuh, is, fuh. yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck. So what is that? Fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes. And we know loins are places where you use things to make babies and birth babies. Right? Reproductive organs. <laughs> yes. So F words, guys. Every time you have repetitions of F words, it's, it's fuck, fuck, fuck. And why would Shakespeare be saying fuck, fuck, fuck there? He's talking about the fatal loins, which means like the reproductive organs of these parents and these ancient grandparents and whatnot have just produced enemies and enemies and enemies and enemies. And so Shakespeare's probably going, fuckity fuck, fuck. What the hell is with these stupid people? Right. And oh remember how God. we talked about how everybody in this play is a... I think we said douche, but I don't like that word. Yeah, It's a problem person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so uh, from forth the fatal loins, also fatal, it's fatal to the children. Yeah. There's going to be death. There's going to be death. He's warning you. Yeah. Right? yeah. Heads up. Again, if blood wasn't enough. Yeah. Uh, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life. Okay, Spoiler now we... alert. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are like actually looking at the text maybe when you listen to this sometimes or you listen to it wherever you want to but then go back and look at the text and think about it because you'll see that the word star-crossed is spelled c-r-o-s-s apostrophe d 
And that kind of makes the word go just a hair faster, right? Right. You, you've probably heard when people are being Shakespearean. They say thou a lot. And they do, uh, for ED words, they'll do crossed, right? You, you hear that. There's a reason for that. Yeah. So if they need the extra syllable, it's crossed. But Shakespeare makes sure to put in that apostrophe when he doesn't want you to say that. Right. Crossed. And that's because there's a specific rhythm to the plays. So, you know, we're going to call it by this big, fancy, ridiculous word, iambic pentameter. Well, we could break that down. An iamb is a foot or a syllable. And pentameter, pent, penta, pentagram, five. Yeah. So what that means is that in each line... There are five, and an I am is a double syllable. I am, right? Right. Yeah. So, so there are five double beats in every line. So ten syllables. Okay. So that sounds complicated, but it's really not. Because another way to think of it... Is as a heartbeat. So bump, bump, I am, I am, is a heartbeat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so like... A pair of star-crossed love, first take their life. Bump, 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 bump. But we wouldn't speak it like that. So Shakespeare knows we wouldn't speak it like that. But the point is that, you know, it's it beats in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it's a very particular rhythm because if you were to, let's say, put your fingers up against your jugular vein and feel your pulse, and then you take a breath in and a breath out, that should be equal to about five heartbeats. So each line is the rhythm of the human body. It's a breath in, a breath out as you speak, and five heartbeats pass as you speak that line. So what's really cool about that is if Shakespeare was writing in that rhythm and the actors are speaking in that rhythm and the audience members down there in the pit or out on the cushions, their hearts are beating, they are breathing, so they are also participating in that rhythm. Right. It's so cool. I love it so much. I know. And I do think, <laughs> so in, in Shakespeare's time, there were, other, uh, there were other people writing plays, you know, at the same time, and they also were using verse, but few of them used iambic pentameter. Yeah. Right? They used other, other things. Other forms which that were clunkier. They're clunky, and they don't feel natural. And the reason they don't feel natural is if if you were to take someone speaking, you would see someone now speaking, that we mostly as humans in the English language basically speak an iambic pentameter anyway oh without being told to do it. Right. It's kind of our natural way of being because it's... When you take a breath, you're bookending what you're saying, right? Yeah. So it's kind of natural. Yeah. So don't let it make you feel like it's something that I can't be familiar with because you do it every day. Right. Yeah. And that's another paper. Yeah. The heartbeat. Mm -hmm. The heartbeat in Shakespeare's poetry. Right. So cool. Yep. Let's talk about this word star-crossed. Yeah. What does that mean, star-crossed? Thwarted by the stars. Yeah. So like the stars are against you. Right. Destiny. Yeah. So that was a thing that, and it's popular in our time too, right? Yeah, it is. It's like destiny versus free choice, right? Versus Mm -hmm. free will. 
what's the difference there, right? If you are destined to be a villain, do you have any choice? Well, no, not if you're destined. Right. So if it's in the stars that you, Aaron, are going to be a villain, then it's like, well, I don't have any say in the matter. I might as well just do whatever the hell I want to do. <laughs> right. Right. Do it the best way I know how. Yeah. Be the best villain I can be. Yeah. So in uh, Romeo and Juliet, this is actually an earlier play of Shakespeare's, sort of, you know, right towards the beginning of his career. He seems to be agreeing with the popular opinion that, oh, well, we're fucked because, you know, the stars have already decided what we're going to be. So we might as well just go about our business and I'm going to be a peasant and you're going to be a knight. And there's no two ways about that and I can't change it. Right. 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 But later on, if you read on and you meet Julius Caesar, you'll hear him say, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars. Right. So he has learned a thing or two by the time he comes around to writing Julius Caesar. I want to go back a second also, yeah. since we were talking about iambic pentameter and this being one of his earlier plays. Here's another thing. If you were going to do a paper on the heartbeat of Shakespeare, in the earlier plays, he really pretty much stuck to iambic pentameter. He really didn't vary it all that much. But as he grew as a poet and playwright and actor, he realized that if you change the emphasis from the regular ba-bump, 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 and you make it ba-bump, ba-bump, right? If you, like, something happens to the actor as they read that line and it changes the emphasis and the meaning oftentimes of what they're saying. And as he gets further and further along in his career, like when he gets to the end of his life and he's writing like Winter's Tale, yeah. right? There's there's a lot of stuff in that play where he's just playing with rhythm and sound and it really is like spoken word poetry in yeah. that it's about the it's about breaking the rhythm and putting out the rhythm and breaking the sounds and putting out the sounds and it's really cool to watch his arc yeah. as a writer. As a writer. Yeah. yeah. All right, back to the prologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, where am I? So we were at um, Pear Star Cross okay. Lovers. Take their life. What right. are they going to do? Kill themselves. <gasps> Kill themselves. Which, Whoa, you know, spoiler. Right. Not good hell? Not good in this day and age, but in that day and age. Yeah, really bad. So against because, the church. Yeah. Oh. Because the church specifically tells you that if you kill yourself, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. Not only right? that, you can't even be buried in a churchyard if you kill yeah, yourself. Yeah, and so your parents are completely shamed and all of that stuff. Oh, my God, it gets to be really, really heavy duty. Um, and, a, and most of Italy, in those days, most of Italy was pretty fucking Christian. Yeah. You know, there were some Jews, but not a lot. Yeah. And there were some uh, other folk. Muslims, probably no. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, from couple, Africa, down down in the southern tip two, of the boot. And, two or three. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I think that yeah. over the years, certainly, they were conquered by Greeks. They were conquered by Africans. They were conquered by, you know, Turks. They were, so there was, but anyway, yes. So, so far, he's told us there's going to be blood and fighting and um, people who are dying and specifically people who kill themselves. Right. Wow, Suicide. what kind of love play is this? <laughs> oh, my God. So we told you it's not a fucking love story. It's not a love story. <laughs> um, whose misadventured piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parents' strife. Yeah, so you got a lot of, like... 
googly sounds there, don't you? Yeah, who's right? Misadventures. And it, so Misadventures has the apostrophe D, and Piteous is not Piteous. It's Piteous. Piteous. Because there's an apostrophe after yeah. the P-I-T before the O-U-S overthrows. Yeah, so again, that's part of the rhythm, right? Because mm -hmm. if you said misadventured, piteous, those are extra syllables that we don't want in there because he wants it to move quicker. Right, right. Now that he's told you people are going to die and stuff, it's like, <laughs> let's get to it. Let's go. <laughs> right? Death with their death, bury their parents' strife. Good, and you have all the th 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 th, th sounds there, too. Yeah. So there's a lot of awkward rhythm and Anytime, like, you you read out loud, you will hear those kind of things, which right. is really great, right? So you can question. Just be curious. Just ask, like, what the fuck is that about? Yeah, why And repeat the? it. Why the? Th 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 th. Why the? You're just, like, sticking out your tongue, right? Th yeah. th th th. Ick, oh. ick, 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 ick. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fearful passage of their death-marked love, again, marked with an apostrophe, the fearful passage of their death-marked love. And, yeah. and the death-marked has the, um, it's a two words stuck together by with right. a hyphen. Yes. <laughs> so it's just like star-crossed. Right. It's two words stuck together and the apostrophe D. Antithesis. Right. Antithesis. Right? Star-crossed, death-marked. Death -marked. They're, you know, the stars were against them, so they had to die. Right. Yeah. And death marked would also be of that time in that it's de it's destiny. Destiny, right? yeah. If death you got a marks target you, on your back. Yeah. If death yeah. marks you, you're gone. Yeah. Right. You're gone. You're gone. Uh, death with their death, bury their parents' strife. So uh, when they die, the strife between the two families is... Yeah, the grudge will be over. Right, ended. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage. Jesus, it never ends. <laughs> right. Um, which but their children's end naught could remove. In other words, nothing but the death of their children. Could finish this fucker. Yeah. Yeah. Is now the two hours traffic of our stage. Two hours. Yay. So he tells you, don't worry. You won't be standing for more than two hours. <laughs> no problem. Promise. Oh, and this was also because the Globe Theater, which we've discussed a bit, um, made out of wood and the, you know, the floor was all mud and whatever where the groundlings stood, there was a big giant opening at the top because it's a basically a circular building. Um, and there's a giant opening that let in the daylight. Right, because they didn't have electricity for lights. So how yeah. do you light the performers? Sunlight. Has to be sunlight. So he knew that also, like, if these people are coming, like, around lunchtime, sun's going down soon, we don't want to be in darkness, boom, we got to finish this in two hours. Right. And, and, and think about it. If the hole in the ceiling is always open to the elements... There was rain. There was rain that the groundlings were standing in, and that's why there was mud. Yeah, so they had to kind of roll with it, whatever, you know? Yep. The witch, if you with patient ears attend. So this is one of those places where Shakespeare invites the audience to participate in the play. So he's asking for them to be patient and for them to listen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about... Coming to hear a play. Yeah. Yeah. So an audience was there to listen, to hear the play. Not right. everybody could see the stage clearly either. Yeah. Right? I mean, the people on the fluffy pillows could, but the people on the ground couldn't necessarily see the whole thing. They could, but they could hear the whole thing. Right. If but even were... on the pillows, there were two giant columns that were holding up part of the ceiling. And so sometimes you couldn't see what was happening behind the columns, but you could hear it. Right. You could always hear it. So, 
What here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. So the which, if you with patient ears attend, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. Good, and those last two rhyme with each other. They're a rhyming couplet. Yeah, so every sonnet ends with a rhyming couplet. And we talked about those. Attend, mend. Yeah, we, we talked about those last time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anything that we don't get right... We'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and talk about yeah. you know why that word is what that word is. Oh, so listening. When he asks you to listen, because you are an audience, right? And mm -hmm. the word audience comes from the same root as audio, right? Which means to hear, or it's a sound word, right? So an audience... The, the very word says that this is your job to listen. Right. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's the prologue. And I know, where was all the sexy talking? Eh, not so much Just there. a little bit. Just eh, the, little. I mean, a little bit about loins, a little bit about, yeah, yeah. you know, fuck, 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 fuck. I mean, you know, he, <laughs> I think, I just thought this right now. Good. I think that maybe the reason he doesn't get into all the fucking and drinking in the prologue is because he's he's telling you how long it's going to be. He's telling you what the story is. But he wants to surprise you yeah. with the fun the and fun the jokes. Fun. Yeah. Right. That's my idea right now standing here. Definitely. I agree. Oh, good. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> okay, so. Right. So that's the prologue. Yeah. And the next episode, we will get into the crazy scene that follows. Yes. But we just wanted to give you guys a big heads up on all kinds of cool stuff to look out for as you go forward in this play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm Diana. I'm Erin. And, and this, this is, is Fuck Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs>